I am unashamed. What about you? Jesus enters Jerusalem as king. And it says the king is the king has come. You got king a little cigar. I read your notes on it out. Mm-hmm. Well, I didn't I didn't read the notes. Well, I sent them to you. you not get email today? I've been sick for two days, though. <laughs> so, so does your email not work when you're sick? How's it that? works. It's just <laughs> it's basically just push a button and you, you sent a us. message to me the last forty eight hours. <laughs> I did I didn't look at it. Nor did I respond? Well, we were supposed to record yesterday, but we pushed it to today, um, just for our audience to know. Not that it matters to them, because saw, Jace has been uh, under the weather. So I finally finished this two-year run on this TV show, and like the day after we're done, yeah, I get sick, yeah, because we had the little That's one. It's known as the crash and burn, Jace, because you you were burning it at both ends. You pushed yourself to the limit, and then. You crashed. That's it's, it's why in life you should never say, if I just make it at this point, <laughs> then I'll rest, take it easy, uh, that's enjoy right. life. You should never do that. Missy told me one time, she said, I've been saying that for 30 years. If I can just make it to next week, and then that week, if I can just make it to next month, if I can make it to next year. So it's a trap you never want to... You you never now when you got stuff going on because you're right I mean we got a got a couple of irons in the fire so well, what happened is we kept uh, the little boy that we've been you know acting like his godparents I guess and well he was the symptoms he had I now have yep and guess what guess who else has them right now Missy Missy. Yep. She went down last night, or yesterday. I guess it's been about thirty. Well, kids, grandkids, godchildren, they are the the uh, incubus. They are the yeah. They're the one. They're out there with the other kids. They bring it into your home, and that's that's where it comes. from. Well, they have no sense of germs, and right. you know they're half the meals that they eat. They drop them on the floor first, then right. eat them. <laughs> <laughs> Just, just general, general hygiene, you know, is an issue with them. So, yeah. Now it ran through all my grandkids too, which I have to say, whatever this current bug is, it's a doozy because it affects people in different ways. But the one thing that it's been consistent is lethargic. I mean, tired, like yeah. exhausting. That's the one thing. My grandkids come now; they're back at school. They come in, Jason. They just lay down and sleep on the couch for two hours. Well, whoever saw that kid. Just lay down, and take his own nap for two hours. You, you know, it just doesn't happen. So anyway, yeah, we're here, we're doing it. There were notes. Chase didn't see them, but no, but I got my own. He's notes. got his own notes. What the, what you got all out of yours when they were told in Matthew, uh, uh, Luke nineteen, after Jesus said this, he went up there to going up to Jerusalem. He approached birthplace of Bethany of Hill called the Mount of Olives. He sent it. He said, go up there and you'll find a colt tied there. And down below there, when when it came near the place where the road goes down to the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the king yep. who comes in the name of the Lord. And, uh, and that's a quote from Psalm 118. And, and Jesus is on the colt that, yep. that he rode up there on. So that's an interesting uh, thing I hadn't thought about. The NIV translates it cold, but 
pretty much everywhere else has donkey yeah or a foal and it's interesting because i on the last podcast or one of the last podcasts i read zechariah 9 which this this whole thing happening is a direct prophecy that's being revealed so here's what zechariah said and it's really important because later i'm gonna read zechariah 6 because all these things jesus did all these things the reason he already had it lined up ahead of time was he knew that people would recognize these passages. So it says in Zechariah 9, Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you. Now, this is several hundred years prior. This is being predicted. That meant something in that era, but he's also pointing ahead. And here's what's interesting. Jace made this point, and Jace, I don't think I made this point when I read this text, because you were talking about the donkey maybe being symbolic of sort of the low nature of coming in versus the big stallion, you know. Here's the way Zechariah described it. Righteous and victorious and lowly. Yeah, that's where I got that from. Yeah. I mean, those three don't usually go to – those three words rarely go together where you think righteous, victorious, and lowly. I think you really have to think about it, though. Look, think about – who Jesus is, because when you think how radical he is, and I've said this before, he's he's you're either all in or all out, which yep. is very bold. He he does he didn't come here saying you know I want you to like me and respect me, and he's like nope, give up everything you have and follow me. That's right. There was no middle ground, so that's bold. But then he functioned gentle in that what you know think of john 13 i mean he's the leader he's he's the from heaven he's the king of kings and what does he do before this epic death burial and resurrection he washes all the disciples feet yeah well you know there there's your donkey moment yeah because you would never think that this great power who's going to establish a kingdom that's going to be eternal and crush all other kingdoms. Not that he's crushing them. They're just being crushed when they try to take his own Yeah, because of well, death. What was sin. holding them together was the, all these miraculous events that, that's, that's ongoing the whole time. He gets on those horse and they say, who in the world is that? And, but well, all he got that, on a donkey. He wasn't on a horse. That's right. Yeah. Because a horse would have made more sense. Because that's every movie you've ever seen, every kingdom. They look. They would find the greatest horse. Thinking about all the movies we've seen, where they talk about the best horses and oh, but the whole thing that's spurring them. Uh, they uh, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. That's what's bringing these people and holding them as one group is these miraculous events. Then out of that, blessed they, they had seen, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. He's on the on the coat that's coming up. Peace in heaven and glory to the highest. Blessed is the king. So some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, rebuke your disciples, you know, some they're not they're not with it. But I'm just trying to put it all together here. Well, Jace is right. It's uh, the the idea was that this is a king, but 
it's it's not it's not like any other king you've ever seen. And even the way he arrives is part of that. We were just in um, Austria um, last month, and in Vienna, which is the capital of Austria, in at the palace they still have a palace. Now they don't have a king anymore, but they still got a palace, and it's beautiful. And Jace, that's what they keep at the palace. They keep their stables there, and they keep these Spanish special bred horses, and they're beautiful. We, I went and looked at the stables. We saw the horses. There's the the most the fanciest riding rink you ever saw in your life. They come out and they prance around. They do all these moves. They can jump up Man, in the this air. This was the field behind that, right? And so the idea was these things. They've been doing these. They've been breeding them, and then they've been like having these riders train for them for about six hundred years. They've been following these horses, and that's the idea. There is royalty, pageantry, mm-hmm. beauty, power. You know that's what it's all about. And so, I definitely think that was part of this whole idea was that this king was going to come in on a choice. And you you mentioned that a minute ago, Jay's that, and I think that's what he's going to do later when it comes up about his authority. You have to choose to believe in who Jesus is. It's it's a simple choice, and. You either do or you don't. And so these religious leaders, they just couldn't buy into the humility, lowly part of this whole story. That's it's not what they wanted. That's why they kept looking for something bigger. And it is interesting that when he comes in, and Dad, you read that part about the praise that went out. That's a, that's another Messianic psalm, uh, quote from a psalm in, in earlier in 118. And I want to read this. Because I want you to listen to how much Jesus is in this. And this is Psalm 118. So again, way before, and starting in verse 14, it says, The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. So now we're talking about something bigger than just being a king. We're talking about salvation. I mean, whether you're saved or not. Shouts of joy and victory resound in the tents of the righteous. The Lord's right hand has done mighty things. The Lord's right hand is lifted high. The Lord's right hand has done mighty things. And we know that's representative of Jesus because he's at the right hand of the Father, right? I will not die but live and will proclaim what the Lord has done. The Lord has chastened me severely, but he's not giving me over to death. Open for me the gates of righteousness. I will enter and give thanks to the Lord. Now, this is the psalm that the people were quoting as the king is coming in. This is the gate of the Lord through which the righteous may enter. I will give you thanks for you answered me. You have become my salvation. Now listen to this one. You'll recognize this one. The stone the builders rejected has become the capstone. Who's that talking about? I mean, that's the king. Well, the next chapter, chapter 20 and verse 17 of Luke says, Jesus said, it is written, the stone the builders rejected has become the capstone. So it's it's that same, and that's what the people are praising. So it's really interesting because so the people are getting it. In the moment, they're getting it. They're recognized. They're seeing it. Now they don't. They don't have it for long <laughs> yeah. because they're going to scatter. You know. Here's what's funny: but to the people, the people who who leapfrog over to the book of Revelation. I don't know exactly what he's talking about. Y'all would have to explain it to me. But <laughs> well, I think you but, do. But, but it's Jesus, just been a while. But Jesus himself was about 30 years old when he began his ministry. 
Well, if Jesus was 30 years old and he died, was buried, and raised from the dead, it's already been over a thousand years. It's been 2,000 years, 2,323 is the amount of time that has passed since these events, including riding in on the coat, since that was written. So if it was some kind of thousand-year reign, the kingdom was founded 2,000 years ago. Right. We're, we're reading about it. The king is riding in. You yeah, see? but if you start taking parts of Revelation, literal, and then start trying to do the math, well, you're going to stay up most of the night <laughs> for several Yeah, days. it's a symbolic language, which which is not that crazy to get the feel for, because it's the same the point thing. point is, it's been 2,023 years. Yeah, but I'm just saying, if you say it's 2,000, and then you have a 1,000-year reign, well, what if the 1,000-year reign was not a literal 1,000 years, but just... Symbolic. I mean, wouldn't it be fair to say, Jay's based on language in the Bible, and I'm talking about just generally, when you hear the, when you hear and see the phrase a thousand years, it's used a lot, and it's typically just saying this is a big period of time. That all it's talking about is some time, and big time, and it is. I mean, a thousand years is a long time; it's a millennium. But to then say, well, we got to lock it in. To this particular number, I, I think you're right. I think you start going down a, a rabbit hole. Let's let's take a break. We are at a tipping point in America. With 400,000 children in the U.S. foster care system and a quarter of those awaiting a forever family, Christians must step up. This is Jack Graham, senior pastor at Prestonwood Baptist Church, inviting you to Chosen, a summit addressing these urgent needs on Saturday, April 13th. Chosen will empower churches to begin foster care and adoption ministries and equip families who are adopting or fostering. We have great speakers joining me, including Sadie Robertson Huff and Governor Greg Abbott of the great state of Texas, along with dozens of breakout sessions. I urge you to join us and help make a difference in the lives of these precious children. Register at Prestonwood.org chosen. Well, I mean, back to the donkey. So this was first previewed in actually Genesis 49, which I was kind of shocked about this. You can go look. It said the scepter uh, will not, this is verse 10, will not depart from Judah nor the ruler's staff uh, until he comes to whom it belongs. He will tether his donkey to a vine, his colt to the choicest branch. So he used both of them. Uh, and and you, you read the Zechariah. But what I found funny is in Numbers 21, the most famous donkey, well, maybe outside of uh, Samson took a, the jawbone of a donkey. And killed a and, thousand men. And killed a thousand men. Speaking of a thousand. Was it exactly a thousand? It was a lot of men. Point, a lot of men died at the hands of that jawbone. But, you know, when you think about reading Zechariah 9, which is the most famous prophecy that jesus fulfilled by doing that but yep. it had look you got to remember i was gonna make this point we kind of got the cart before the horse jesus is the one who orchestrated this it's like i mean we're reading he had a, it set up i mean like he had people like yeah he is the king and the marketing 
He he orchestrated. He was the PR. I mean, we're we go in these circles. Go down the street, take a left. There's some guys there. Tell them tell them it's time. Well, when you tell start, it's time for the donkey. I mean, you know, like this was all set. He orchestrated this whole thing because because nobody else would have come up with this. And even now, two thousand years later, we're still having trouble with it. We're like, well, maybe it wasn't a maybe it wasn't a donkey. No, it was a donkey because. If you see a general coming up back then, horses were tanks. This is, they didn't have tanks, so whatever horse you were on, as far as any kind of kingdom and war, that that's that had a lot to do with who you were. You're going to get the greatest horse in the world, <laughs> the fastest, the biggest, the toughest. Jesus is like, no, I'm bringing a new kingdom. And go down the street here, and he picked the place when it says that Beth Page and Bethany. Well, you know who was from Bethany was Lazarus, Mary, Lazarus, Mary, and Mark. These were his people, yeah, and he, he knew them very well. And he had already set this up ahead of time. That's and right. these are the people hollering. I mean, the only people that really are taking him seriously are these people. Because why? Because they saw these miracles. I mean, they saw a dead man come back to life, and everybody's saying, oh, it's a trick. Whatever they're saying, because they don't want to change their life. So he noticed a donkey there. Polly knew, got to know the man who owned it. And he probably told him, look, there's going to come a day when I'm going to need that donkey. And so, because it was all around, it's too set up. He's like, go to the village. As you enter it, you'll find a colt tied there, you know, which no one has ever ridden, which is another thing. So he had already told somebody, look, don't you keep this for me. I mean, there was instructions that went into this setup. It wasn't like this just happened one day. I mean, Jesus had set all this up because, again, it it was very important to fulfill that prophecy and to show exactly what he was trying to get across. Yeah. So I wrote this down. uh, I'm not sure where I heard this from, but it was a sermon somewhere I heard because he was a different kind of king in that. You know, I think when you think about, uh, I wrote this statement, but I can't remember who said it. The power of love overcame the love of power in Jesus' kingdom. Yep. So it wasn't that he's not powerful, but all these people that he's taken on, they all love power. And he ultimately showed God's power of love. And I wish I could give credit to wherever I heard that, but it just popped into my head. But I heard somebody say that one time, and I wrote it down. But then you you illustrate that with him being on a donkey, because think about it: when you're on a horse, it, it you know one you it you you sit up high and look. Every, and it's a stallion. It's oh, a stallion. Every oh, yeah. leader that's ever been, especially in that world, when he come prancing out on that horse and got three other horses behind him with flags and people playing music. This is their triumphal entry. And guess what? They did it wherever they went. And here's this guy standing on the biggest horse in the whole thing that's also the fastest. He's saying, look how powerful I am. It's an intimidation thing. Well, when you just kind of have a record scratch moment and see Jesus getting on a donkey that's never been ridden, you know what that looked like? He is hanging on for dear life. I mean, for some reason, I think of every Western that I've ever I seen. I couldn't have a thing of two mules for Sister Sarah. Remember they had that little weird. That's ding, the ding, first ding, ding, ding. one that popped in. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> what, 
<laughs> so I almost spent $5 last night because I started looking up movies about donkeys. And uh, there's some new movie out, a Polish movie. I just, at the end of the day, I couldn't spend $5 on the unknown. <laughs> but the name of the movie was E.O. E.O. That was E.O. And it was about... Uh, a donkey? It was a, it's about a donkey. And you said, why didn't you watch it? Because I was sick and I didn't feel like watching a movie about a donkey. And look, it's from Poland. So that's another thing. I had to read the subtitle. Mm-hmm. But when I was reading the reviews over it, they basically made a movie about a donkey. I don't know where they got this idea. But going around and meeting people. Now, the donkey never says a word. But he meets people. And you're like embarrassed that how bad people are. And he's just an innocent donkey. That is the movie. They made one <laughs> from Poland. <The> Poles. <laughs> Who does this? <laughs> but I think they got that idea from the Bible. Because when you read this famous story in, in Numbers 21, you say, well, what's that got to do with Jesus orchestrating this? You're, you're going to see, look, even... In that story in Numbers 22, which it's a long story, so we'll just have to pick out the highlight. Oh, this is the talking donkey. Which well, is- yeah, he's the talking donkey, but what I didn't realize, Al, is which- there's a messianic prophet prophecy in here. I noticed this last night. Yeah, Numbers 24, 15 through 19. Watch what it said. His, like, fourth oracle, and we'll, we'll, we'll get in, we'll back up and tell the story here in a minute. Uh, the Oracle of Balaam's son. Let's see, I'm in 15 of 24 numbers. The Oracle of one who hears the words of God, who has knowledge from the Most High, who sees a vision from the Almighty. Uh, verse 17. I'm not sure where it is, but I know it's in here somewhere. I yeah, see him, it. but not now. I behold him, but not near. Now, this is an Oracle vision from God, so stay with me. A star will come out of Jacob. There it is. Who's the star that's going to come out of Jacob? A scepter will rise out of Israel. He will crush the forehead, foreheads of Moab. The skulls of all the sons. Edom will be conquered. Uh, the enemy will be conquered. But Israel will grow strong. A ruler will come out of Jacob and destroy the survivors of the city. It's well, who, messianic. Yeah. It's, it's talking about Jesus coming. Well, this is the guy who had the encounter with this donkey, so we can back up and see. I think it's very interesting, though. So, Al, you may remember the story better than me, but he basically, in 22, uh, this Balak, who is the king of Moab, he summons a, what do you want to call him? A, well, he's, a magician. He He's a, he's a, I think it's called in here, in su- verse 7, su- divination, divina- divination, divination. Yeah, they, they can predict the future. That's And back in these days, you would have ones that were doing it for evil as well as some were from the Almighty. So you're never quite sure who, who was funding the, the divination. So this guy, and this is a crazy story, but you can read it from chapter 22 and 24. The king... So the Israelites are out wandering around, 
these are God's chosen people, and he's basically wanting to get them off his land. Yeah. <laughs> and so he's like, well, call down a curse on them because you're, you're into sorcery or sorceress. I mean, this is like Lord of the Rings type. Yeah, this is something from that, like that. That's right. So and a lot, a lot of this makes, makes people feel uncomfortable when I read this in the Bible, but look, this is... There, there's some credence to this. This guy, no doubt about it, had uh, in 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 any world you see signs of that, and this is what's going on. There's a spiritual world out there, and you got to remember, there's two forces at work. Exactly. So the evil one has always had influence into this. We call it the occult, but all I mean, all that's real. Somehow, in modern society is kind of like, well, no, that's all just you know. These people didn't know anything and make believe. No, evil's been around for a long time. Yeah, it's still just as inexplicable today as it was back in that day. Well, yeah. it makes me think of a verse that says, you know, that one that says, "Even the demons believe in God mm-hmm. and, and shudder." Well, and old Balaam here, he's like, "Now, I'll do this for a fee." You know, money. He he's more. His God, it comes out of this story, is money. Money, that's right. He said, for a nominal fee, (laughs) I'll work with you on this. But I'm not going to do anything contrary to God. Whatever he says... I'll have I'll 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 summon basically working a side hustle. Let's let's take a break. So this happens. You can read the whole story and get the context. But he basically goes back to this king and says, well, God said no. Well, that didn't go over well. And uh, so then, you know, he goes back and finally God said, well, I'll tell you what, you can, you can go, but, but you can only do what I tell you. And it's kind of like God gave him, he wanted him just to say, no, I better not do this, you know. Yeah. But he does it. He, since God didn't say you can't go, he goes. So I'll pick it up in verse 21. So Balaam got up, Balaam got up in the morning. This is 2221 of Numbers with the princess of Moab. But God was very angry when he went, and the angel of the Lord stood in the road to oppose him. Balaam was riding on his donkey, and his two servants were with him. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with a drawn sword in his hand. She turned off the road into the into a field. Balaam beat her to get her back on the road. Then the angel of the Lord stood in a narrow path between two vineyards with walls on both sides. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she pressed close to the wall, crushing Balaam's foot against it. So he beat her again. I mean, he's hot. He's like, what's wrong with this stupid donkey? The angel of the Lord moved on ahead and stood in a narrow place where there was no room to turn to the right or the left. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she lay down under Balaam, and he was angry, and he beat her with the staff. Then the Lord opened the donkey's mouth, and she said to Balaam, what have I done to you to make you beat me these three times. <laughs> so it, this is a, you're talking about a record scratch. What, and that's why I wanted to go they, back and And it had this. to have been in a female voice because she was a female donkey. I mean, which makes it even more amazing to me. So there's nothing I can say at this moment that's going to do this justice. 
Because I, 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 you know, I listened to a couple of sermons of people who preached on this. But whatever you say, you know, you should have just stopped right then. Because <laughs> when that, when that That's what... donkey's mouth opened, yours should have closed as a human. But it didn't. No. I mean, it, you know, and you can talk about anger. You can talk about maybe been drinking. I, I don't know. But because <laughs> the next level of this makes people feel really uncomfortable because he responds. I mean, he acts like this happens all the time. Because <laughs> I'm just saying, when you're out in a muddy field talking to your donkey and you think he's talking back to you, I'm pretty sure an adult beverage, a lot of them have been involved or a concussion. <laughs> so Balaam answered the donkey, you've made a fool of me. If I had a sword in my hand, I'd kill you right now. And the donkey said to Balaam, am I not your own donkey, which you have always ridden to this day? Have I been in the habit of doing this to you? No, he said, which is just no. Then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes. So, he, so the Lord opened the, ba- uh, the donkey's mouth, and now he's opened Balaam's eyes, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with his sword drawn. So he bowed low and fell face down. The angel of the Lord asked him, Why have you beaten your donkey these three times? I've come here to oppose you because your path is a reckless one. <laughs> before me the donkey saw me and so he basically explained and look i'll just skip to the to the point of why i'm reading this story is balaam had this happen he literally saw a miracle and and i think this goes with with the whole reason why we're all the way to luke 19 he then has a prophecy that jesus would ride on a donkey this one out of israel this star yep come on a donkey and despite all that, Balaam never got it. Because he's mentioned three other times in the New Testament as examples of don't do what he did agree. for money. The the three places he's mentioned is, to your point, when you start talking about Revelation, Phil, and I, I want to read that one. Because we it, it really, when you read the Numbers 21 through 24, it doesn't complete the story. You think, oh, he gives this wonderful prophecy about Jesus, and he basically obeyed God. And he even repented because he said, I've he sinned. He repented, but yeah. guess what he did? He just, instead of doing what God told him to do in the heart of it, he said, well, I'm not going to call down a curse on him. But he came up with another idea, and Revelation 2 reveals this. Revelation what? Revelation 2, and uh, I have this written down somewhere, yep. 14. But before I read it, I just want to say, uh, well, I'll read it, and this will explain what happened. So to the church, this is the third church that he's writing here. He says, nevertheless, I have a few things against you. You have people there who hold to the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak to entice the Israelites to sin by eating food sacrificed to idols and by committing sexual immorality. Likewise, you also, all right, and then he goes on to the next. Well, you see that later on in Numbers. The the king quit trying to get him to call down a curse on them. They just, and, and what happened is what I just read in Revelation. So you kind of put the pieces together and realize Balaam said, look, you don't have to call down a curse on them. 
all you got to do is go get a bunch of prostitutes. <laughs> yeah. And you just need to change. You, you need an idol. They'll do it themselves. And that's exactly what happened. Yeah. And so you put all the pieces together by reading the other references. So like Second Peter 2, 15. He bring, he's he's in there against false teachers and destruction. He comes up again. 2.15, it says, They have left the straight way and wandered off to follow the way of Balaam, who loved the wages of wickedness. But he was rebuked for his wrongdoing by a donkey, a beast without speech, who spoke with a man's voice and restrained the prophet's madness. So then in the book of Jude, he's brought up again. And this, this really shares the heart of what he was all about. And it's verse 11, Jude 11. They have rushed for profit into Balaam's era. They have rushed for profit into Balaam's era. Because he was all about making money. Yep. So even God using him, even him seeing an angel, he had a conversation with God. He was used to give an oracle that pointed to the Messiah. What was his problem? He never recognized God as king of yeah, his life. Right. Money was his primary motivation. And what I'm saying is, here we are, fast forward to Luke, Jesus coming in on a donkey, and, and what we had just read. The problem with this parable, the 10 minutes, was what? They didn't recognize, the whole point of him saying is, of, of him telling that parable is these people weren't recognizing Jesus as king. Uh, verse 44. Yeah, uh, so what we're getting to in the triumphal entry. In verse 44, it says, well, I'll tell you what, where did Phil re read to? Where did he stop reading? 39. Yeah, so let's keep reading from 39. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. Why, why, why are they saying rebuke? Because they're saying, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. So this goes about being publicly claiming that you're king. So the Pharisees said, This is dangerous. Yeah. You better rebuke him. That's he's right. going to be a threat. Even though he's riding on a donkey, and I'm sure looks silly. That had to have looked silly. He says, I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out, which people make jokes. You know, that would have been the first rock concert, you know, but it's really more about him saying, I'm, I've gone public here. Yeah. And it's not the way you think. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, if you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace? But now it is hidden from your eyes, which goes back to what Al was reading earlier. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you, encircle you, hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. And we know this happened in AD 70. Yep. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. So it's just a pattern over and over and over. They're not recognizing Jesus 
as the Son of God, That's as right. the King of Kings. And you say, well, why? Because he's coming as a gentle king, as a lowly king. He's he's getting the people who are not powerful. He's hanging out with people that are shady. He has no money. He has no politics. <laughs> he has no house. He has no power. He's washing the disciples' feet. I mean, that that is the whole point here, in my opinion. No, I agree, and which is why the next thing he does, and the way Luke lays it out, is he goes into the temple, and you know basically cleans it out again, tears it up, showing that this is this is on the wrong track, wrong track. And and I want to read another Zechariah quote to you here, Jace, because to bolster once again the whole idea about why Jesus came. This one's from Zechariah 6, 12. So Zechariah says, Tell him this is what the Lord Almighty says. Here is the man whose name is the branch, capital B. He will branch out from his uh, place and build the temple of the Lord. It is he who will build the temple of the Lord. Now that's really interesting. Whoever this is, he's talking about. So what will he look like? He will be clothed with majesty. There's the king. And will sit and rule on his throne. And he will be a priest on his throne. And there will be harmony between the two. So not only will he be a king, but he will be a high priest, which of course Jesus is as well. Yep. Because you don't need sacrifice for sin anymore because he is the sacrifice for sin. So there's another direct quote and when it says he's going to build a temple, what is, what is he talking about there? Because we know the temple, he's been predicting it's going to be destroyed. Well, he didn't physically build another temple, or did he? When he came here and he himself established the temple, which would now be his body. By far the better, the better housing. And the one that can last forever, right? When you start thinking about a temple, when you think of the gen- – it goes back to Genesis – I mean, what is a temple? What was the purpose of the temple? It's where God and earth met. That's right. They they encountered God. Now, it was dangerous, and and they would, you know, send a guy in there. It was scary. The high priest, and they'd have a string tied around his ankle, because if he gets struck down, they'd have to drag him out. Nobody's going in after him. Nobody worthy. It was the temple of fear. Well, it was, but it was because, you know, we, we're we the ones that messed up. But when you go back to the Genesis scene, it basically functioned at, as a temple. You had God walking in the garden. The garden was the temple. What was happening? God was dwelling with people. At, this, at that point, there's no sin. There's no separation. There's a oneness there. Exactly right. So when you fast forward all the way to what Jesus is representing— He's making that right, God and people coming back together. You know, you can use a fancy word, reconciling, or, you know, Paul uses that. I mean, that's what our our English word is. But that's what— And, you know, no, it's interesting, Jay. Let's take our last break. Luke lays it out. I think he's got a, an approach he's taking because then when we're going to pick up here starting in Chapter 20— is then what Jesus, what I call, holds court in his as a king. Now, because now he's going to do some teaching for the next two chapters. But John 
which focuses on the last week of Jesus' life. He didn't give you all the background stuff like the other gospel writers. He, you remember, he starts out in chapter 2 with this scene of Jesus going into the temple and clearing it out because he's only given that last week of his life, which that's where we enter now in the narrative. But why did John do that? Because John's whole book is about Jesus really is the Son of God. And so he establishes him as an authority in the beginning of his letter. So I just thought it was interesting that Luke waits until the end to prove his case. But in both cases, they're saying the same thing. Jesus is the Son of God. He is the King. He is the high priest, and he has authority, which is going to take us into the next section as well. But he's given us these clues all along. Even going back to Luke 6, you know, I used to think, because I was kind of blown away when we went through Luke 6, and it's like Luke's version of the Sermon on the Mount, or they call it the Sermon on the Plain. But when he's talking about his kingdom coming, he says in verse 20 of Luke 6, looking at his disciples, he said, blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when men hate you, when they exclude you, when they insult you. Reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day. Leap for joy, because great is your reward in heaven. Well, you know, we, we we always say, well, it's poor in spirit, you know, like Matthew says. But I actually think he means at the least, to Matthew's point, you have to be poor in spirit and you got to hunger and thirst for righteousness. You know, Matthew made it more spiritual. But Jesus, in, in Luke's version, it's, it's this same idea of he's going to embrace the weak, that he's going to be willing to suffer. God's power is going to be made manifest because that's why I brought up that love idea in the power of God's love. And that's why it doesn't look like this earthly show of power and force. I mean, the whole book, you keep seeing him hanging around people that we would say are, are not powerful. This is, can't be an army. You're never, and, and they keep misunderstanding what they're going to do because they wanted him to crush Rome. That That's as far as they were going. You remember even John the Baptist when he's in prison. I mean, John the Baptist was his cousin. He prepared the way for him. Kind of makes me think of, uh, you know, Balak and, and Balaam in uh, Numbers. But John the Baptist, when he was in prison, he's like, Go go ask him if he's the one and we should expect somebody else. Because he's like, this plan is not working. I, I'm in prison. <laughs> so, And we're going to hit that in the next chapter, you know, talking about John's baptism. But that just shows you even John in that moment was saying, I, this doesn't seem right. Right. We're, we're, how are we going to take over? And so embarrassing as this is, you get all the way to Acts 1. And you remember the first question? Now, this is post-resurrection. And they're like, are you now going to restore the kingdom to Israel? They're still not getting it. So when he, when he makes his triumphal, triumphal entry on a, on a donkey that he orchestrated, there is no doubt that, that he was setting that tone that through weakness, through humility, we're going to take over the world. Because he actually did. 
It did. And you fast forward now and read something like Romans 12, 1, it makes We're sense. We're products of it. Well, when you read Romans 12, 1, you know, for years I had a problem as a Christian understanding Romans 12, 1 is like as in view of God's mercy, offer yourselves as living sacrifices. Because I just kept thinking some kind of barbaric movie, you know, where I'm having to, you know, go kill myself and cut myself. You know, that, that's, that's the way I was thinking. I was like, why is it saying that? Because I, did, I, I wasn't getting this concept of every day it's not my will but God's and I'm going to have to suffer. And I'm going to, the very reason I'm sick right now is because I had a baby that's not mine and I was loving on him because he was feeling bad, you know. So guess what? I got sick. So don't <laughs> be mad and angry about it. I was, I was doing, I was offering myself as a living that's sacrifice right. and guess what? I got sick. Because I knew that if you're kissing on a sick baby, you're probably going to get sick. Oh, yeah, it's coming. So get over it. This is what we do. That's why I'm having a positive attitude about it. So I wrote this down. I don't know why, but the crowd wanted Jesus's crowd wanted him to bring violence to Rome. That's what they wanted. Yep. But he received violence. The crowd was looking for an insurrection. And look, there was 12 others during Jesus's time period because they were all wanting to revolt. Yeah. Plus, if you but see Jesus, if, you, if you see how the world works, Jace, you pretty well are looking at it right here. It's just one thing after the other, where they're trying to chase down or badmouth the savior of the world and the, his people. Well, right. But I think a lot of people. But you're not going to rule anything. To practically apply this, a lot of people are embarrassed that we just. You know, to be a Christian, and they're like, you got talk, talking donkeys, and you got whales swallowing guys. It's, it's crazy. You know, yeah. come on. Now. Yeah, it's yeah, full yeah, of well, myths well, and well, legends. That's, that's fairy tale. That's, 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 that's. But then all of a sudden, when you look at the big stuff about creating the world, and you realize that, you know, science can explain things, but it, it can't tell you why or tell you what you ought to do because of it. Yeah. You know, it's... I mean, there's holes in that too, but my point is the big stuff God created in it, we'll go along with that. God sending Jesus, we'll go along with it. Yeah, he's resurrected. And then all of a sudden you're like, well, I mean, you know, there's a there's a donkey talking, and here comes Jesus riding up on a donkey. When you start really thinking about the principle he was trying to get, get you to see, it's powerful. Here's here's someone with every the, the power so much that you can't even describe. I mean, we're making people out of dust making universes and galaxies and i mean god and when he's coming in this kind of humility and loving there's something that's awesome about this i mean don't get hung up on atoms and molecules if you're the creator of the world you you've seen nothing yet a talking donkey is nothing because <laughs> we try to do the same thing hollywood does in all their movies Every animal they got on there is talking. Oh, yeah. <laughs> We're not, we don't think that's absurd. I do. I'm not going to watch a movie that Hollywood, if I want to see a, a talking donkey, I'll go read Numbers 22. At least it has a spiritual application. Then Shrek, the movie Shrek, he's, a talking he's got donkey. a talking Where'd they get that from? <laughs> we know where they got That's why I said they made a donkey in Poland. I mean, a movie about a donkey in Poland that sees how bad humans are. Well, duh, I could have made that. I could have told you that. 
you know, because they're they're saying the donkey looks like the smartest per you know organism on the planet yeah. compared to humans. Well, and and even in the story, it is interesting because it didn't say the Lord opened the donkey's eyes to see the angel of the Lord. He just saw him anyway, which I don't know what you know. There, out of that text, Jace, there's been a lot of people that believe the animal world has more of a sensitivity to see things maybe that humans can't see. And I will say, sometimes, you know, you'll have a dog next to you, and it seems like they're aware of something, you're, and you're looking around, you're like, what are they, why are they reacting so strongly? So yeah, maybe I, there I, is a sensitivity. That is there. a sub subplot to that, yeah. with that angel there. Well, it's just like the story in Kings, where the guy was like, show him, Lord, and he saw all the angels. Yeah, you know, they because right. they thought they were outnumbered. Right. same thing. Yeah, but I want to say that these are these are my cheesy lines for preachers. The reason Jesus came on a donkey, not a horse. I, I said that one. The crowd wanted Jesus to bring violence, but he received violence for us. The crowd was looking for insurrection, but Jesus delivered the resurrection for us. The crowd was looking for Roman bloodshed, and yet Jesus shed his own blood for all, Jew or Gentile. I mean, I wrote those down because that's why he came on a donkey. It was it was the power of his love in a humble way that he would offer himself for us. That would make a good title to a sermon, The Resurrection Over Insurrection. I like that. That's pretty good. I mean, I think that's what was going on yeah. They, that's why they couldn't recognize it. Because an insurrection only lasts until the next insurrection. Yeah. <laughs> but and the resurrection. Until the leader that's dies. That's right. That's why I asked you a while ago. It's one insurrection after the other. That's right. But the resurrection lives on. All right. So we're out of time. Uh, we've gotten to uh, our new jumping off place now, which is good. Talk a little bit about that in overtime in the next podcast. If you want to join us, blazetv.com slash unashamed where we'll be. Thanks for listening to the Unashamed Podcast. Help us out by rating us on iTunes. And don't miss an episode by subscribing on YouTube. And be sure to click that little bell to get notified about new episodes. And for even more content that you won't get anywhere else, subscribe to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash unashamed.